Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word of God. And so here's the awesome thing. As you study the Word of God, guess who you get to know better? Jesus. He is the Word of God. The more of God's Word you get in you that you know, you know, you know the Lord better. The more of you commit to memory, the more of you, you, you read and understand with comprehension, you are getting to know God. God's revealing himself to you. So you say, man, I, I want to know God better. Open the book. Have you ever desired to have a stronger relationship with someone? Whether it be a spouse, a friend, or even a business partner. We all know that the key to growing a relationship is spending time with that individual. Well, in today's message, Pastor Bill is going to be talking about strengthening our relationship with God and how we find victory in Him. It's no different than anything else. We must spend intentional time with God in His Word to grow our relationship with Him. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, as he continues his message, Victory in Jesus. He, the one that's going to bring the judgment, knows everything. All knowing, the, the, the eyes of the flame of fire is symbolic of Him. It's, it's the eyes that see all. They know everything. Nothing has escaped his sight. So when he judges, he's not missing anything, right? If you watch a good court case today, they, they might be missing some things. They may not have all the facts. They may not have a witness that saw everything. They may have false witnesses. They may be missing some critical things in order to make the right judgment. Jesus says, not me. I got eyes like a flame of fire. I see everything. I know everything. The all-knowing, all-seeing eyes of almighty God. Here's what I will say. Some people are very concerned with God judging, you know, that particular sin or those people or that thing. And you can forget while you're hoping God will get everybody else. You'll forget that. What about you? Right. I mean, I'm, I'm watching, you know, we live in a world of chaos right now. You watch people, people are protesting this and protesting that. And some people are mad about the, the judicial issues. Some people are mad about the riots and wars. And I'm, I'm telling you this. There are people mad at both things that are going to hell. They need to be looking in the mirror. You could be so upset about what somebody else is doing wrong that you forget to, Lord, let me check. Let me check up. The one that sees all and knows all. And so we want to be careful. He's all knowing, all seeing. His judgment will be perfect because he sees everything as it is. and He knows everything. Then it says on his head were many crowns. The word for crowns here is the, it's the Greek word diadema, and it means a kingly crown, a kingly ornament, and he has many of them. These aren't victor's crowns. These are royal crowns. It symbolizes his authority, his ownership, and he has many of them, right? Because he's coming back to take claim. He's coming back to, to claim what's his, and so he's got these crowns on his head. It says next that he has written, he has a name written that no one knows except himself. And so there, there remains some level of mystery about him even here. He's got a name written that nobody knows except because in a little while it's going to tell us he got a name written that everybody can see plainly. But it says there's a name written that no one knows except himself. And I was pondering that. Why is that? Why, why would he tell us in the unveiling of himself that at this future date, when he's getting ready to bring the wrath and bring the judgment and finish things up, that he has a name written that nobody knows? Except him. And I, I believe that I believe this about the Lord, that there's always some things where God says, you don't need to know that. 
Just, there's some things you just, just take me by faith. Trust me. You don't know everything. You know enough. Um, can I tell you that I'm always amazed when there's something like this in Scripture where God says, nobody knows, at the volumes of books that have been written where people have, they've been, I'm pretty sure, I bet my strongest opinion, volumes of books are written on what this name is. And he said, nobody knows it, right? Just like the people that know when the Lord is coming back. Ain't nobody been right yet. Amen. Anybody ever been dumb enough to say a date have only proven when the day came that they didn't know what they were talking about, that God was right when he said nobody knows the day or the hour. Somebody named the day and the hour. I know for sure when he's not coming back, not that day at that hour. So because nobody knows the day or the hour. So uh, moving on, it says he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God, verse 13. So he's got, a, he's clothed, he's got a robe on, the robe is dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And we're going to come back to this in a little bit, the importance of the word of God. I told you the victory is in Jesus. We're going to see that his victory is related to that which comes out of his mouth and the victory that we can have is also going to be related to his word in our lives. Um, the relationship that we have to the word of God, but his name is called the word of God. So let me break that down real quick. Why is that significant? Why is that a big deal? In John chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And then when you go down to verse 14 of the same section, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God. And so here's the awesome thing. As you study the word of God, guess who you get to know better? Jesus. He is the word of God. The more of God's word you get in you that you know, you know, you know the Lord better. The more of you commit to memory, the more of you, you, you read and understand with comprehension, you are getting to know God. God's revealing himself to you. So you say, man, I, I want to know God better. Open the book. Read it every day. Do the Bible reading plan that we're doing. You're going to know God better. You're going to know what he loves. You're going to know what he hates. You're going to know what blesses him. You're going to know what bums him out. You're going to know what he rewards. You're going to know what he punishes. Everything you read every day is teaching you about the Lord so you can know him well and walk with him in intimacy. Amen. For you guys that have been doing the reading, right? We Some of the brothers, we're on Marco Polo each day, chopping it up and going back and forth. And it's so many different things come up that you know, there's a lot to God. There's a lot more to him. And so some of the books that we wouldn't want to read, you know, some of the meticulous books and for the, the Chronicle people. Y'all have y'all loved the Chronicles? You have not loved the Chronicles. It's, a, it's just a, the begetting, the begetting, the begetting, the begetting. But you know what it tells me? God's gone through great pains to make sure I said I was coming through this chain. I want you to know that I came through that chain. I made somebody. Somebody had to write it down long ago so that I could so I could be right today. It's a fact. You guys know what bloodline I because I made somebody sit down and tediously write down all the families and who came. And so it's not fun to read, but it's important why it's there. Amen. And so he does that. So he is the word of God. He is called the word of God. Verse 14 says, and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now, who are the armies in heaven? That's us. So for y'all that thought we was going to be singing Kumbaya with harps on clouds, no, we, we, we rolling out with Jesus. We are, we are rolling. We riding with the Lord. So 
I'm, that's exciting to me, right? Like, we're going to be on missions. We're going to be on, we got battles to go fight. We get to go scrap, you know. We don't get to do nothing, right? We, he going to do all the scrap, but we get to be there. You know, I was, I was ready, Lord, you know what I'm saying? And you just spoke and they all died, but uh, I, was, I was down, though, you know what I'm saying? So we are with the Lord. You know, we get to, we get to go to war. We get to go to battle. Again, again, he, he does all the fighting. He don't let us do nothing. No, won't be no Peters jumping off at this point. But we are the armies of heaven, says clothed in fine linen, white and clean. How we get so clean, you guys? Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. That's how everybody know. Everybody know if we was in heaven and they gave us a symbolic visual of what we really are, it would have said they was in filthy, holy, raggedy, torn up garments. But we in fine linen, white and clean, because we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. All of us. It didn't say some of us are dingy. Right. Because right now we, we may all be living at different levels, different places. Then everybody white and clean, everybody perfect, everybody sinless, everybody, that, everybody that makes it into the heavenly realm. These are the things that we look forward to. These are the things that are, are these are the things that believers that we hope in and we look forward to. But the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white. We get to ride white horses, too. So questions raised. Are there animals? In heaven. Well, we're not done yet, right? This is <laughs> there's coming a new heavens and a new earth. Everything's wiped away. But at least at this stage, for God's purposes, you know, there, there are white. We don't see there's some birds, too, um, which I don't think they get to stay. So <laughs> we'll, we'll come. We'll come to that shortly. So but we're with them on the white horses. Verse 15. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of almighty God. So back up to the beginning of verse 15. First of all, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. And we know that this is symbolic of what? The word of God. We see it in chapter one. We see it throughout Revelation. This, the sharp sword that goes out of his mouth is the word of God. Throughout creation, how was the world created? The word of God, he spoke it into existence. The word of God is powerful. Now, and, and this is where I, I really want us to catch some things, right? Because God's, we see him use the word of God and we see it's powerful. And I think sometimes believers don't believe that it would work for us. We're like, but that was Jesus. But you guys have to know if you do with the word, what Jesus did with the word, that you can be victorious too. Jesus created the world, you know, at a word. Can you do that? No. Right. That he, he's the only one that he creates something out of nothing. But your words do have power. Right. You can build and tear down in the reading. We cover that verse that life and death is in the power of the tongue. The same tongue that can speak a word and someone hear the gospel and get saved. That same tongue can speak a word that bums somebody out and they go kill themselves. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. You, you got to be careful how you use it. Right. But if, if God's word is, is that which is flowing out, right, then, then all the things that God's word does, our words can do. Jesus had to battle Satan head up. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Jesus only pulled out one weapon three times. Every time Satan brought a temptation, Jesus responded with this phrase, it is, it is written. 
So he didn't just know the word, but he quoted the word and the, the all important, because if you just know it and quote it, that's not enough. Y'all know that. You got to know it, quote it, and then do it. He knew it, he quoted it, and he stood on it, right? Jesus told Satan at one point, you should worship the Lord your God, him only shall you serve. Now, if he had known that, said that, but fell down and worshiped him, there'd been no power. But he, he knew it, he spoke it, and he didn't do it. That's where the power was. Knowing it, speaking it, doing it. And so what we do with the word of God is important. Everybody here is fighting battles. Everybody here, we have spiritual adversaries. We have spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places that are going to war with us. And our victory is wrapped up just like the victory of Jesus. It's going to be through the word of God that we're victorious. But I got to know the word. I got to, you know, I got to know it in my heart and I got to stand upon it that I might be victorious as well. And so, again, it says out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. Now he's coming to do war with the nations. We remind you guys, we talked about it several times, but Satan's deception is to the nations. And as we, when we looked at the fall of commercial and spiritual Babylon, we saw how much of that was wrapped up in national things. And so we want to be careful as believers how much of what's happening in the, the world nationally how much of that you get wound up with? Because Satan said, look, I'm deceiving the nations. And we talked about this. What would be the tool to deceive nations? Politics. That's how you deceive nations. I got to get world leaders to see it a certain way, to say it a certain way, to influence people a certain way. That's how Satan deceives nations. The Bible has told us that outright. And we, I'm just cheating ahead. After the, you know, after the thousand year millennial reign with Christ where Satan has been bound for a thousand years, guess what he comes out to do immediately? He goes, it says the first thing he comes out, he, Satan gets, he's been locked up for a thousand years. He gets let go. And the first thought he's like, I got to go back and deceive the nations. He, I got to go right back to my bread and butter. And he goes back. He deceives nations. They all agree to go to war with God. What kind of deception would it have to be for somebody to decide, I want to fight him? How deceived do you have to be? Right. But Satan is able to do it. He pulls it off and they go to war with God and they lose. Again, the word of his mouth, Whew, that's it. It's all it takes. So we should be careful, right? We should be reading our Bibles. We should be seeking the Lord. Be careful how, be careful to let something influence you that doesn't come from God. Be careful to let people influence you that don't belong to God. Because that's, those are the two things right now. They're people that they want to have, they want to influence how I think, how I feel, how I believe. But if you don't belong to God, who do you belong to? The devil. Here's what I told a friend of mine, because he, he, he kept sending me all these videos. And I said, bro, these people are not, are not saved. I said, look, if Satan is the, is the cause of the problems, a child of the devil is not going to find the, the answers to the problem that daddy is causing, right? Satan is not going to fill one of his children's heart with the answers to the problems that he's creating. They don't have the answers. We got the answers right here in the word of God. So we got to be careful. We got to be wise and vigilant. Remember that, look, if, if, if someone's influence on my life makes me feel like I'm against people, that's not Christ's influence. Christ's influence is going to have me dying to myself that I could love some people, dying to myself so I could, be a, a, I could be a minister of the gospel to difficult people in difficult places. Anything that's influencing me other than that, I should be suspicious of, cautious of, weary of. And so, again, he says, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. When it talks about God ruling them with a rod of iron during 
We know that during the during the thousand year millennial reign, when we, we rule and reign with Christ, it'll be the same way with a rod of iron. What does that mean? There'll be imposed force righteousness. So it's going to be there's not going to be no sinning. There's not going to be people not going to be running amok. It's not going to be an option. Right. We've never been under that kind of rule where God is ruling and reigning with the rod of iron. But let's say you sinned and you were immediately, bam, punished for it. Be, you be holy. Now, you might not be holy because you want to be holy, but the discipline had you holy. Amen. That's what's going for a thousand years. Ain't going to be no sin running rampant. Rod of iron. Bam. You're going to be you're going to do it right. And, and we're going to be helping him for we be enforcers. Little little rods. You know. And so but after a thousand years. When that's led up, and this is what I learned through this scenario, is people will do what they have to do while they have to do it. But now when given choice again, how many of them quickly go with the enemy? It's amazing. You would think that people would say, oh, I love the righteous life. It was all perfect and everything was great. I loved it. But quickly they go back. They, everybody falls back to, to their, their lesser selves, lesser nature. And so he rules him with the rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God. You guys remember that, that analogy of the winepress is where, the, where they would stomp out the grapes and make the wine press down. And God says that's essentially he's, he's going to be, that'll be, that's the people are going to be the grapes. And God's the one pressing out the winepress of God. This is his wrath poured out on sinners. It's the wrath of almighty God. Here's the cool thing for you and me, because this book is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. God's wrath only falls upon who? Sinners. God's wrath for you and me was placed where? On the cross. No wrath for us. Pray. So as I read this, the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, thank you, Lord, that all the wrath that I deserve was poured out on you on the cross. Thank you for doing that for me. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for freeing me of this reality that I'm not, I'm not waiting for God's wrath to come out upon me. I'm, I'm recognizing it was already poured out on Jesus on my behalf. Verse 16 now, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I've always loved this. So he's got a robe and a thigh tat. I'll come back to the thigh tat in just a minute. There are people that really have a problem with that, right? I'm a realist. The way I study the Bible, I look at what it says. I look up the words, look at what it means. And I don't try to find a way around something that I don't like. There are some people that don't like tattoos. And so if you read their books, they're like, well, it couldn't mean tattoo. That's what, exactly what it says. If you look up the word here in the Greek, it's the, the Greek word is grapho. And it literally means it's, if it's skin, it's a tattoo. If it's wood, it's the etch. It's, it's permanently put in to whatever it is. So on his robe, Maybe it's embroidered, king of kings, lord of lords. I'll come back to the importance of those words in just a minute. But on his thigh, it says written, it's, it's grabbed, in, it's not etched in, permanently there though, king of kings and lord of lords. And it's visible on the horse, apparently, it's telling us that. So what's significant here? We know, we, we talk about this all the time. People say these words, he's a king of kings and lord of lords. What does that literally mean, right? As we're at the end of the age, and God is getting ready to go to war with nations. He's, look, I'm the king of all the kings. So everyone that's a world leader and an apparent authority of some sort, Jesus says, I'm the authority of all authorities. I'm the king of all the kings, and I'm the Lord of all the lords. And so cheat sheet for the believer, we should always be looking over the heads of every so-called king, leader, whoever, 
to the Lord. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one that reigns forever. He's the one of, of his kingdom. There will be no end. Amen. God's king is never going to come. He's, his reign is not his, his reign doesn't last for a certain amount of years. He will always be the king. And when it's all said and done down here, he'll still be the king. And those that were against him will be destroyed. Those that were for him will be with him. But he'll always be what he's always been. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And it's on his robe and it's etched on his leg. It's, 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 I believe it's tattooed on his leg. So, again, I couldn't believe how many books I read where guys were like, you know, they would go right through the word, breaking down the words all the way through. And then they come to this text right here and they says, well, it couldn't mean this because because he was Jewish and Jews don't get tattooed because he was this and that. If it says he had a tattoo on his leg, y'all, he had a tattoo on his leg. He has written permanently on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it makes sense for it to be there permanently because it's not going, it's never going to change. When kids are thinking about getting tattoos, I was talking to a kid recently that was, was asking, that was talking about tattoos. I, what do you think about getting? And you got to try to make them think like, is that going to make sense in 20 years? Is that going to make sense in 40 years, you know, will that be true? And you know, I got a tattoo when I was 14. It was a summer going into high school football, so I wanted a, a tattoo on my arm. My last name is Buffington, so they called my dad the Buff. So ever since I was a kid, my nickname was Lil Buff. I had it on all the back of my shirts, had it on the side of my hats. So I said, I'm, I'm getting that on my, I'll get my tattoo. And I went to, the, it was the back of the barbershop where they would give tattoos, and I got my, my, got my Lil Buff tattoo. Well, now <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not little or buff, <laughs> but I still got this tattoo on my arm, you know, and it's, it's one of those things where it's just, well, I didn't think that through too far when I got it, you know. So when doing something permanent, you know, you, you want far, you know, will this be true? Will it be accurate? Will it be appropriate? Will I want this on me in 40 years, you know? <laughs> so Jesus King of kings and Lord of lords, it'll always be appropriate for him to have on his body. Amen? And so it's written on the Lord. Verse 17 and 18 now says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And so God is rounding up all these birds and he's saying, you guys, come gather together. Because basically, as he slaughters people on the earth, he's saying the birds are going to come eat their flesh. And I thought this was this was my thought. This is what I wrote in my notes. I said, we had the choice to be part of the marriage supper last week. You're either going to be part of the marriage supper where you feast with the Lord or you get to be the feast. You get to be the feast for the birds of the air. And so you either get to go to the feast at the marriage supper, all celebratory and nice, or you get to be the feast for the birds of the air. And so for those that have rejected Christ, those that have, that have denied him, those that have not chosen, not, not allowed him to be Lord of their lives. At this point, God gathers all these birds and says, look, after I get done slaughtered, you guys are going to be the food of the birds of the air. And it was mighty men. You know, people small and great, slave and great. Here's the thing with the Lord. Stuff that matters in this world don't matter to him. Classes don't matter. Rich, poor don't matter. None of those things equate to anything in the kingdom of God. 
What all that matters to the Lord is, is faith or not faith, lordship or not lordship, with him or against him, in Jesus or not in Jesus. None of the other things that you know we make so much about on earth matter where it really counts. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. What's swirling in your mind just now after what you've heard in today's message? Sometimes it takes a bit of time to fully process what was shared. Revelation is definitely one of those books that you have to almost sit and chew on, trying to discern what in the world it all means. But the good news is God's given us His Word to help us know and understand what's ahead. What a gift. He didn't leave it all a mystery. He's revealing things on each page of this book, whether or not you're fully in the know of all that it means in this moment. Keep studying it on your own and digging into Scripture with an appetite that's ready to take in what God has for you. If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at CalvaryInglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If so, locate the Give tab on our site. Don't forget, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you have some extra time and are nearby, we'd love for you to attend one of our services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If there's a scheduling conflict, come Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We hope that this message has ministered to your heart and you have a little more peace next time listening to it. We look forward to our next time as Pastor Bill teaches in Revelation right here on A Transforming Word.